0: they give to Salam Salam to the outside he's down to the 50 he's got-
1: Buffs podcast coming to you from the Blake Street Tavern. Jake Shapiro, Ryan Koningsberg, and Ali Monroy. Uh, obviously, we just let off with the Larry Zimmer call of the Rashad Salam breaking 2,000 yards and scoring a touchdown on that play. Passed away Tuesday. We're recording this Tuesday uh, at age 42. We don't know how he died, but that's not really important. Uh, one of the greatest Buffaloes in the history of Colorado sports, maybe the greatest. Won the Heisman in 1994 but was so meaningful to this university in so many different ways. Uh, I mean, a little bit before all of our times, uh, I wasn't born yet when he won the Heisman. Ryan uh, was a baby, but still, his legacy casts a huge shadow at the Champion Center. Whenever you walk in there, there are trophies all over the wall plastered with his name, as there should be. Uh, I've met him a few times. I know Ryan has probably had a conversation or two with him, and he was a nice guy. He played for my Chicago Bears as well, so, I knew about him growing up being a bear, Uh, but obviously just terrible news. I think a lot of people are upset by this and reading and going back and living through highlights of his life or the things that were written about him. Just a a very cool guy who did a lot of really cool things at the University of Colorado.
2: Yeah, I think you said a lot of that really well, Jake. I mean, one one of the best buffs ever. And, you know, the reason that Colorado can call themselves one of 25 schools to have or one of less than 25 schools to have won a national championship and to have a Heisman Trophy winner. Um, when you think of, you know, the proud tradition of Colorado football, you always mention the Heisman Trophy. And, of course, that has, you know, number 19's name on it. So a really tough day, I think, uh, in Buff Nation. And with so much, so much good stuff surrounding the program right now, it's sad to see something like this come down during Heisman Week, uh, you know, as the Buffs are in the middle of the rise – tough to see and you know tough to kind of comprehend how something like this happens you know you never want to jump to any conclusions but it's scary to think of a you know a, such a great passing away at age 42 Yeah
1: Ryan no doubt and you know we can't really speak to how he was as a player obviously because like I said we weren't around but you know we're delighted to have the owner of the Blake Street Tavern Chris Fusile join us he's been a season ticket holder at Colorado since 1994, ironically. And Chris, uh, you know, somber day. But what was Rashawn Salaam like as a player? Because we can't really speak to that. And you got to see him with your own eyes there at Folsom Field. Well,
0: yeah, I uh, be, I started uh, attending CU at, in 1982, so I was there for Coach Max' first year. And um, and I was I, I lived away from um, uh, from Boulder from 87 uh, until 93, but. My first year back as a season ticket holder was '94, and that was really an incredibly special season because that was a year that uh, we were ranked second in the country, and we played third-ranked Nebraska, and we lost 24 to seven. And then we, I think we dropped down to number seven, and so there wasn't a chance for us, you know, to compete for the national championship. But the the next goal for all for everyone was getting Salam his 2,000 yards. I, I think. At game eight or so, he had already had, like, 1,500 yards. It was something something crazy. Um, And I remember that game vividly, his last regular season game, when he got the 2,055 yards. And uh, it was against Iowa State, and it snowed earlier that week, but they had cleared the field. And when he ran that really long run –
2: 67 yards. Something
0: like that, yeah. It seemed like longer. And I remember everyone just rushing to the end zone, the whole team rushing to the end zone and lifting him up in the air. And it was just one of the most vivid moments that I'll remember in CU Buffs history.
1: You know, uh, you've obviously been around for a while, been in this program since 1982. You've, You've followed this team very vividly. Where does the moments of Rashawn kind of rank uh, to you in terms of all the great moments you've had at CU. You've, you've been a fan when they won a national championship. You've been a fan for all these different eras of CU Buffs football. But, like you said, 1994 certainly was pretty special. Yeah, that,
0: um, it definitely top ten. And, and I might even, even go to, say, top five. I mean, um, you know, when you think about, you know, when we won the national championship – well, the first national championship game that we lost – then the second one that we won. And then, you know, 94, we were primed to to win another national championship, at, at, but for that loss to Nebraska. In, in fact, then they went on and won the national championship. Um, and then, you know, guys, um, you know, we continued to play really good football up until, you know, what was it, 2000? When was Gary Barnett's last year? Five, 2005. 2005 so, you know, for the past 11 years, you know, it's a chapter in our history that, you know, I don't care to dwell on. <laughs> a- and then, um, and then of course, you look at moments in Buff's history, then there's this year. But, you know, I, I was at the CU Hall of Fame ceremony two years ago when Rashawn was inducted. And then he also came to Blake Street Tavern a couple times and just a really, just a nice humble guy you know no big ego um you know and a- i mean y- you walk into dal ward and the champion center i'm not and i know that they have the locker i've seen the locker of him where they have his jersey and uh is it helmet ryan and mm-hmm, yep. you know and, it's and, then, and, then, and then and then the heisman trophy is located where now right outside uh, the way right outside the, the weight room. room. so you know for us old folks, old farts, you you got to go back to moments of in the late 80s in the early 90s, and Rashawn Salam really stands out.
2: For someone who watched him, what was it like to watch him run? I mean, is there any players you could compare him to as someone, you know, as electrifying
0: as he was? You know, um, I, I don't recall that, Ryan, you know, who to compare him to. I mean, I I, I just kind of compared him to the the other guys that won the two thousand yards. So uh, those were only happened three times. Yeah, so, before him. Who were those guys? Um,
2: Barry Sanders comes. Barry to
0: Sanders. Uh, Did Gale Sayers? Do Gale it? Sayers might have been one, and then uh, I, I, I'm trying to recall that. But what I do remember is this: is that when he was recruit, and I just we just heard that he was just a beast. You know, he's playing eight-man football from San Diego. But when he walked on campus and, um, you know, and when uh, uh, my friends tell me, describing him because I was living in New Jersey at the time, just saying this guy is a man among boys. And, um, you know, uh, he could just – he could knock you over, but he also had speed. He had all the qualities. I mean, there was a reason why he was picked number 20, well, was his 21st pick in the NFL draft. I mean, not a lot of running backs, if you think about it, go first round. Well, there was a reason. In his rookie season, he ran for 1,000 yards. So, you know, he obviously, he had the body, he had the mind. Um, It's too bad that his NFL career did not turn out as we all had hoped. I I think that's something, though,
2: that – People need to understand you can still be a great football player without having a great NFL career. And Rashawn Salam brought so much great football to Colorado and so so much joy to people's faces. I hate when I hear you know people try and discredit a player because they you know there there's the Johnny Manziel's of the world, there is the Tim Tebow's of the world, there's the Rashawn Salams of the world who were great. I don't want anyone to try and take and no one obviously would on a day like today, but even you know ever. No, nothing should be taken away from Rashawn Salaam as a football well, no, player. no,
0: no. I mean, and like he was, like you said, I mean, for what he accomplished back then and now there's been a lot more running backs since then have run for 2000. But, you know, now we've I mean, got conference championships. Now we've got extra playoff games. You know, now, I think the circumstances has changed. But back then, 1994, he was the fourth guy ever.
1: He joined Barry Sanders, Marcus Allen, and Mike Rozier. Those were the three names uh, that did it.
0: Before yeah, him. yeah, pretty pretty special company.
2: Pretty crazy, and you know you have the iconic. In my mind, I think of everyone holding up the 2,000 signs uh, in that in Folsom Field on that day when he ran for. For two thousand,
0: absolutely. Because I tell you what, that was a very cold day that day, <laughs> and, and, and the only the big reason to go up there was th- for him to accomplish this. And not only that, he like I said, he, he got he, he, he got two thousand fifty five, so it wasn't even close. And that that long run that he did, I, I will it, that will be forever be enmeshed in my brain.
1: I think as it will with all Buffs fans, and I think Rashawn Salam will forever be in every Colorado's fan, Colorado fan's memory as well as the Heisman and everything that he accomplished at CU and afterwards and what he did for Boulder, what he did for Colorado as an athlete at CU. Uh, so obviously we want to wish him and his family and anyone that cares about him the best on this week, this day. Uh, that is a terrible day, uh, and we are going to come back and talk about the rest of what's going on at CU after this quick timeout.
2: This is the BSN Denver Buffs Podcast. Powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network.
1: Williams takes a shotgun snap, hands off to Joe Williams, runs off to the right side and brought that. Bowser! Picked Balls up by Kenneth Malabone! Touchdown, Colorado! Touchdown, Colorado! Kenneth Malabone! For six! Happened, but yes. the Colorado Buffaloes just added to their lead. It's 26
2: I want to be as free as the spirits of those who left. I'm
1: talking, about. all right, back on the BSN Buffs podcast with Ryan Koningsberg, Alan Monroy. I am Jake Shapiro, but uh, before we get into pre, I guess, reviewing the Pac 12 title, I've got to tell you about mybookie.lv. It's a new opportunity for you to win some serious cash while watching college football. The site is called MyBookie.lv, and the thousands of experts and rookies are playing and winning big there every day. They offer real Las Vegas odds, amazing player props, and live in-game action with odds updated in real time. But the best thing about MyBookie.lv is the fast, no, no asshole, asshole payouts. payouts. When you win, when you win, yes, Ryan, yeah. when you win. Join now and they'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000 and get an extra 10% bonus on top of that. When you sign up and deposit today, just make sure you use promo code BSNDenver to activate the offer. That's promo code BSNDenver. Expert or rookie, you got to go check out mybookie.lv.
3: How many times did Shop change his voice in that? I think you might have used like three or four different voices. BSN
1: Buffs (laughs) poll. Extremely Shop reading mybookie.lv voice. BSN Buffs pop quiz. Uh... Hey guys, speaking of pop, the Buffs Rose Bowl Hopes got popped this weekend. Yes. So that yes. was yeah. a thing. We were all out in uh, Santa Clara. Let's brag about it some more because it was awesome.
3: It was a lot of fun.
1: Uh, as the It happened so fast, I don't even remember I, it. it.
3: It really did. We were only there for three days.
1: Extremely like 2000s, like teenage show voice. It all happened so fast.
2: Record scratch freeze. Right, <laughs> right
1: Exactly. <laughs> Uh, the fourth-ranked Washington Huskies defeated the eighth-ranked Colorado Buffaloes, forty-one to ten. Uh, I think Ted Chalfin had a great tweet about this. That it was only the it was the fourth time this season that the Buffs had been ranked in the top ten. And if you go back to I think like nineteen ninety five, between nineteen ninety five and two thousand. 15, the Buffs had only played four games ranked in the top 10. So, I mean, incredible to think about what the Buffs have done this year. You can read Ted's story, which puts it into perspective. You can read Ryan's story, which puts it in perspective. You can read my story, which puts it in the perspective of what the players were dealing with. We we did a lot of perspective pieces on the Colorado Buffaloes after this game. But going back into this game, uh, Colorado, uh, it was not a good performance. Everything... That could possibly go wrong pretty much went wrong uh the only unit that looked good was the secondary and they got burned because they had such poor field position throughout the course of the game uh to deal with so i mean what were your initial reactions to the game what were you seeing through your eyes when you saw it guys
2: right right off the bat to me it's just a bad day to have a bad day and i've heard i've said this a lot i've heard it said a lot it reminds me a lot of super bowl 48 for the broncos you know um the Seattle Seahawks weren't 35 points better than the Broncos, and I don't really think Washington is 31 points better than the Buffs. But on that day, when it mattered most, they were, and that's what people will remember. But what I'll kind of remember is Tedrick Thompson after the game saying, uh, if we play again tomorrow, I've got Seffo throwing four or five TDs. Or then later again, he told me in the locker room, if we play them tomorrow, I'm taking us to beat them any day. And... Now, I don't know if they're going to beat them if they play again on Friday with, you know, a magically healed ankle for Sefo Lufau. But I don't think they lose by 31. I think this team is better than that. And just unforeseen circumstances kind of led to them having their worst game of the season at the worst time of the season. Um, you know, you start the you start the game off kicking the ball out of bounds, and then they have a flag on the next play, and it's like, ugh, this doesn't look that good. And then Sefo goes down. So much happened that it just, you know, the wheels came off. And it's unfortunate for them. It's more unfortunate because I think if they had played them close, they might be, we might be talking about them going to the Rose Bowl right now. But in the end, you know, they chose the wrong day to have their worst day.
3: I agree with what you just said. Mike McIntyre also said that if they would have played them any other day, he believes that his team could have won. And I agree with the statement that if they played another day, like you said, it could have been a close game. There was a lot of things that happened, including the defense just not being able to stop Washington's run game. That was ridiculous to me. Washington just played so much better overall. And I really like the comparison of – it seeming like the Denver Broncos a few years ago during their Super Bowl against the Seahawks because it really appeared that way on the field.
1: You know, I haven't found a way to really put this into words, so I haven't written it yet, but I will say this, uh, and this is kind of what my column hinted at, but I didn't go as far as saying it, or, or sorry, my story, but I really didn't go as far as saying it. But in my opinion, going up into this game, the Colorado Buffaloes were satisfied. They did not have the same attitude, In which they displayed in the prior weeks, uh, they didn't have that hunger. They got complacent. They they weren't. It didn't seem like they were the same football team this past week going into the game Friday as they were every other week of the season. It seemed like they had reached their goal and they were happy. And to me, that's what cost them this football game. They needed to come out with that same hunger because that hunger that they had, they could have beaten anyone in the country except for Alabama. The way they were playing football uh, going into Friday, but. The way they played football Friday, that is not a winning style of football. They didn't come in with a winning mentality, and that's what cost them the game because they needed to play a very sound game, not perfect, a sound game against Washington, and they didn't come anywhere close. Almost every single part of their game fell flat, and I count that as a mental mistake. That's not a physical mistake.
3: I agree with that. Going into Utah, this team had this destiny factor to it. It had this, we are going to win, and we're going to get accomplish our goals, and they... Won the Pac-12 South, and I think they kind of settled. They didn't come out as hot as they should have, and they didn't come out with that mentality. I 100% agree with you, Jake.
2: To me, that's on Mike McIntyre, the coach of the year in the Pac-12, to be honest. Um, really? I, I think they've done so much this season, and their goal is not make the Pac-12 championship. Their goal is to win the Pac-12. And to let your team get complacent or be happy to be there, On that stage when there's so much on the line, I mean, we're talking about they had a a, a birth at the time. They had a birth in the college football playoff on the line in that game. As a coach, I just don't think you can allow that. to happen.
1: I want to stop you there. And I want to say that what we heard after the game, Colorado would have been in the college football playoff if they had won that game from the things that I heard. Well, It would have been very close, but it sounded like they would have snuck their way in.
2: I don't know if they would have because the fact that Penn State didn't even yeah, get I in. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, okay, true. The fact but, that
3: Penn State didn't make it in is and, and kind I, of ridiculous. I will
2: say this, too. Mike
1: McIntyre, what he said Sunday, he didn't want to talk about the Rose Bowl, but for some weird reason, he was very upset about Penn State, and I think he, he, was, was, a- he was channeling his anger about not being in the Rose Bowl to Penn State was a- saying he doesn't understand the rankings.
2: It was actually kind of a genius little cross comparison there because you never want to complain about your own situation. You know, it's not fair to the Alamo Bowl if you're out there saying, well, we don't want to play in this trash bowl in San Antonio. We want to be, a, you know, on a bed of roses in Los Angeles. But there are some similarities. Penn State got so much more screwed, it's not even funny. Yeah. I mean, this is like what happened to Penn State would have been if the Buffs beat USC head-to-head, beat Washington – and then not only didn't make, you know, and then they right. didn't make, and they put USC in the Rose Bowl over them. So the Buffs got a raw deal, I think, you know. And did you want to wait before we got into this? I want to, I, yeah, I want to wait a little bit because I want to go back
1: to this game. But you, you mentioned it, too, where penalties stopped the Buffs at the start. Cepho goes down. They took a couple shots in the Michigan game. You know, they took all those punts. Cepho's injury, Diego's injury, Derek's injury, it didn't really stop them until Cepho's injury. They took about six shots to the face in that Michigan game before they were really, all right, we're not going to win this game. This game, the Pac-12 title game, they took like two shots to the face and then they fell apart. This was the first time this season where the Buffs took a shot to the face, said, we're bowing out. They took their ball and went home. I mean, that to me, they, they had the team that could have beaten Washington, and they just didn't bring it. And to me, the way they played football, where they couldn't even get two damn yards in the third quarter on that gift of a fumble. They couldn't even get two yards. That said everything. They were not ready to win that game. They took their ball, and they went home.
3: A few people that we talked to after the game said a lot of the guys on the sidelines for the Colorado Buffalo seemed extremely checked out during the fourth quarter. And that is not what you need for your team.
2: So unfortunate. I just, I don't know how that happens uh, to a team like this. I'm not necessarily of the belief that they just, they took their ball and went home sort of thing, but I think they weren't mentally strong in the game. And I, and I don't know why, and maybe it's because they lost Cepho. Um, even when Cepho came
3: out, he just yeah. wasn't playing
2: well. Well, and when Cefo came back, it was you were getting, you know, fifty percent of Seffo, and you can debate all you want whether or not Steven Montez should have stayed in there as a healthy option, giving them a better chance to maybe not win the game. I don't think they are winning that game under any circumstances, but maybe he does keep them close enough to get the Rose Bowl. I don't know. I think if Seffo can go, you gotta let Cepho go and you know you you let the captain sink with the ship. I've said that all week. But it was weird. They didn't look they didn't have the killer instinct that they had from the first snap uh, against Colorado State until that moment. And I'm, I just don't know how that happens. And, and I think, like I said, I think it comes back to coaching.
1: And this was a team that was, or is a team still, that is greater as a team than the sum of its parts. You look at all the different areas on the team, and the only area of the team that's as good individually as it is as a whole is probably the secondary. Every other group, there's no way the offensive line should be as good as it is. Clayton Adams deserves every single award possible for making this a competent offensive line because I'm not really trying to call out guys. What I'm saying is Clayton Adams did a terrific job of coaching guys that were less talented than what they face to get them to a level to protect Sefo as much as they have and to get Phil as many rushing yards as he had. Phil Lindsay's not the most talented running back on the planet. It's his determination. It's the coaching that makes him as good as he is. The wide receivers, there's some good wide receivers on that team, but they should not be winning as many one-on-one matchups as they won all year. You can debate that, but what I'm trying to say is this team is a... is greater than the sum of its parts and definitely the parts were not oiled and they weren't working in this game and I go back to the Cepho injury not only as a mentality hit but because you needed that consistency at quarterback throughout the course of the game and you needed him to be in that game plan throughout the course of the game for things to work you saw when Colorado was best this season it was in third and fourth quarters when they wore down teams and their consistency and their determination finally paid off because teams just gave up and they didn't have that opportunity. They themselves were the team that folded.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, I just think it's one of those days where you don't have it. And I think that dejected them. Um, they couldn't get anything going on offense. They couldn't
3: stop. They had defense. terrible
2: breaks on defense. I mean, I, this is later in the game, but, you know, Jake Browning's trying to throw the ball away in a sense. And uh, Cheeto completely misreads it and ends up scoring a touchdown. It's just one of those days and you hate to have that happen on on this day and it kind of I think it just compiled into them their their spirit was broken.
1: If you're having one of those days the place to go is the Colorado Keg House in Broomfield right next to the First Bank Center with 75 Colorado craft beers on tap. They are the home for Colorado craft beer from wheat beers to nitrous to IPAs to ales. Nobody does craft beer like the Colorado Keg House. You can sit at their huge bar, their tables, at their lounge area, no matter where you sit, you'll be in front of a TV with sports on. So next time you're looking for something to go do I almost had it. Go down to the Colorado Cacos off Wadsworth and 36th and Broomfield. Broomfield.
3: You said it in your head, didn't you? Yes. Dale Pale Ale. Yeah, I
1: said it. That's why I paused. (laughs) Dale's Pale Ale. Um, Anyways, let's get into that bowl discussion right now. Obviously, a lot of people were disappointed that they're not going to the Rose Bowl. I myself think it's a little bit – I think they got screwed – but I understand it because they lost by that much. I even tweeted earlier in the week. There's no under no circumstance should Colorado uh, not, or under no circumstance should USC jump Colorado. Well, I did not think Colorado was going to lose by 31 points and look the way they did. That's yeah. not
2: under no circumstances.
1: Well, though. I didn't think that was that was a possibility. But
3: still, so, a team so. shouldn't get punished for having well, when an extra game. you say under no
2: circumstances, that means even if they lose 100 to zero, you don't think it should change. But
1: I, I still agree with that. I mean, I, I just think it's a little bit harder to argue my point now. Uh, and I didn't really want to be sitting there trying to argue every single USC fan that was in my atts. And be sure, <laughs> l- just let me tell you, people, there were more USC fans in my ats than there have been Buffs fans in my ats all year. Uh, so that was a little bit much this weekend. But, you know, they, Colorado, the three games they've lost this year, a backup quarterback had to take a majority of the snaps. Or at least a injured Cepho took a majority of the snaps. The three games USC lost this year? they're playing their starting quarterback because they didn't want to play their backup at the time, which was Sam Darnold. That's on the coaching staff. That's not on an injury. And I think you can look at that. I think you can also look at the fact that Colorado won the division U.S. season, and that's the fault of USC. Uh, yes, they got the head-to-head. But I think the real only real argument here is the head-to-head.
3: Well, I think you shouldn't be um, penalized for playing an extra game and winning your division. Like, that's ridiculous in my eyes. I think they did get robbed. Um... But I think most of us knew that coming in, if it wasn't a close game, then USC would take the Rose Bowl. And it is unfortunate, but the bus just didn't have that destiny factor, that momentum that they needed to show against Washington. So I really wasn't surprised. It's disappointing for a bunch of fans. I understand that, but they just didn't play the way they needed to play against Washington to even get the Rose Bowl.
2: Yeah, it's weird for me. I I want to be mad about this. Get fake mad like the Buffs last um, week. Right. Um, oh, we're only second team Pac-12. But I've, I've actually never been mad. Oh so um, the thing is, on paper, it's bullshit. The Buffs got screwed. Good pun. And it, it's not fair to them to have one... I mean, even if you're talking about standings, even with <laughs> that, that <laughs> extra Allie, loss... Tally liked the bullshit pun. Even that with, took
3: me a while. Even with
2: that, that extra loss... They still are ahead of USC in the standings. They would still have a half-game lead on USC even with that loss. So it's really unfortunate that because they had a bad day at a bad time, you're taking away an opportunity um, for not only this program to really have a capstone on the most magical season in the history of the program, but on the same sense, it's like, well, we knew going into it, and... I the guess players seem
3: to be surprised, though, at least well, from the way they
1: took it to Twitter. it's just being fake again. I think they were a little delusional because I talked to them. I talked to a couple of them Saturday afternoon and in the evening. And they're like, yeah, shop. we'll see you out in Pasadena. And I'm like, I'm not too sure. And they're like, don't doubt us. I'm like, I don't doubt you. I doubt the the committee. Right. And
2: that's what I was going to say. Be grateful that your team was even in a position to be exploited by the BS that is the politics of college football. L- sorry, you fell victim of it. But of course USC is going to be put in the Rose Bowl. All they needed was one excuse. All they needed was the littlest excuse to put USC in it, and they were going to do it. And they didn't even need the college football rankings. Right. Even if the Buffs are at 9 and USC is at 10, they're still putting USC there because they now have an excuse. They say, USC hasn't lost since they put in Darnold, blah, 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 blah. You gave them a reason to be able to choose USC over you, and they were going exactly. to take it. It's exactly
1: what I told one of the juniors on the team he goes Sunday afternoon, he says, damn, Shap, you were right. And I go, you know what? You can't, now you know for next year, you can't put yourself in a position where someone else picks your destiny. You guys have to go make your own destiny, and that's probably what Mike McIntyre is going to tell you, but that's the honest honest to God truth. No one was going to pick Colorado, especially with where they were projected at the start of the season, uh, because, you know, that's why Mike McIntyre is winning these Coach of the Year Award. It's really just the most surprising team, and no one wants to... No one wants to admit that they were that wrong, and, and that's the thing. It, it, that's a big factor here, and that's part of the politics of college football along with the name brand of USC. Right now, Colorado just doesn't carry that cachet as a brand, and, and they have it in the past, and they might in the future, but USC football is USC football right now yeah. like it has ever been, and Colorado is just not at that level. Maybe it will be in the next five years, but if you're picking head-to-head and you're going to pick between ticket sales or... The, the brand and the TV and all these different things, the tourism, I know it's going to be a little bit less than USC because they live out there, but all these different things, and you're picking which team you want in that game, I'm picking USC. Why wouldn't I? It's you a business. Know? It's a business. It, is, it, is a business. it makes and it's, sense.
2: It's unfortunate to me because I actually talked to a source uh, at USC who told me, like, this isn't a big deal to them at all. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, whatever. We're the in Rose the Rose Bowl. Bowl. Like, it's right down the street. Uh, we, should, we should be competing for national championships type of thing. Whereas you put Colorado in there, and it's the story of the college football season, which it already was, but those kids would be so grateful for that opportunity, and it would be such a big deal to them. Players like Sefo Lufau and Cheeto who've built this, it would be such a big deal to them. So I think it's unfortunate for this. Uh, USC is an exciting story. It's it's a team that got smacked by Alabama in the first game of the season, and no one thought they were anything from then until now. So it's unfortunate. In the end, USC beat both Colorado and Washington. And like I said, you give them an excuse to put them in there, and they're going to take it.
3: I think it's unfortunate for the whole football program because it's not just the players. The fans would have gone crazy to think that there was roses in their future, and they did when they thought that they controlled their own destiny in the Pac-12. But... I definitely see how to Cepho and to these seniors who've put so much that could have been um, a great accomplishment and a great ending to this story for them since the story is ending for these seniors. Um, but like you said, they just didn't execute the way they needed to.
1: It's going to be really interesting to see how they respond uh, because with bowl games, teams either decide they're going to want to play in that bowl game or they decide it doesn't really matter. And I haven't gotten a read on it yet just because there hasn't been a practice since. Uh, and I've talked to, you know, on the record, Mike McIntyre and Jeremy Irwin. I've talked to plenty of guys off the record. But I think they're spending this week being a little upset that they blew their opportunity. Uh, but if you've blown your opportunity betting, you can get right back in the game on mybookie.lv. You can win some serious cash there. Thousands of experts and rookies are playing and winning big there every day. They offer real Las Vegas odds, awesome, amazing player <laughs> props, and live. In-game action with odds updated in real time. But the best thing about mybookie.lv is the fast, no-hassle payouts when you win. When you win, Ryan. Join now and they'll match your first deposit, deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. Get an extra 10% bonus on top of that when you sign up and deposit today. Make sure you use promo code BSNDenver to activate the offer. That's promo code Denver. Expert or rookie, you've got to go check out mybookie.lv. Sign up today.
3: I would love to have a competition on if I could read that as fast as you, especially with my brain just not working. I don't think you could come close. (laughs) I don't
1: think you could read at half the pace that I read at.
3: Uh, I think it would be a really funny... Segment. Funny challenge,
1: yeah. Well, we have two of these reads per podcast, so we could do both at the end to uh, do a race. Speaking of race, a lot of uh, bus fans are going to be racing down to San Antonio uh, for the bowl game and perhaps road race because... Uh, We've been looking at some of these flights, and they are expensive, folks. They
3: are very expensive. (laughs) If you're trying to
1: head to San Antonio, Texas. Uh, And I think that's another reason why Buffs fans are a little bit disappointed, because I think so many people were planning to go to the bowl, and flying into Dallas, flying into Los Angeles, pretty easy. Flying to San Antonio, not as easy. I know a lot of people are going to be road tripping down there uh, already. And as Ted... Ted said this too, that he paid like eighty three dollars for a student ticket uh, for the alamo dome that 's not exactly glamorous
2: first tier college football team problems uh, you have to pay more you 're going have to pay more money for your tickets in Folsom next year you 're going to have to pay money for tickets to a bowl game you 're going to have to pay money for flights to go see them so
3: well fans kind of got. Um... A bargain this year because ticket sales went down, or down because the team hadn't been doing well. So I think the student package was a hundred dollars, when usually it was like one hundred and fifty or one hundred sixty. Actually, just
1: ninety nine. Ninety
3: nine, and after this season, they ended up getting a great season to have bought that a hundred dollar or ninety nine dollar pass. And next year, it's definitely going to rise.
1: I I think as Steve Goodman wrote this, uh, one of. Very famous songwriter, country music singer, uh, obvious Cubs fan. He wrote "Go Cubs Go." But he said this at one point. He's like, "At least if the team sucks, beer will be cheap, and we'll we'll get into the bleachers for free." Uh, (laughs) Which is which is on point of being a sports fan. Like, if you're a Nuggets fan, go to as many games as possible right now. Don't
2: they're terrible. But
1: like right now, like cheap beer. Well, it's not cheap, but. And the tickets the, aren't no, the really, you know, what, you know what, the tickets still go. are
2: expensive, too. Don't go to Nuggets games. That was also, f- the atmosphere is, like, I could take a nap. And we'll talk about Colorado basketball later, but I could take a nap at those games, too, right now.
3: Um, well, that's my favorite part about going to the Phillies games. Um, they're cheap, and it's free. It's
1: That's cheap like beer. Rockies. That's Rockies that's games. Yeah, I, I guess it's Rockies games. Four bucks to go get drunk on a Friday night. Uh, something to do. <laughs> anyways, uh, but it's going to be really interesting to see how the team responds. A lot of teams get up for bowls. A lot of teams go down for bowls, as I said. But what is true, uh, no matter what, is that the Buffs will be getting 15 extra practices. They're basically getting an extra spring ball, as Mike McIntyre put it, which is so huge for the, for the development of these younger players, which they need to develop because there are so many upperclassmen in this program. And it's huge for recruiting because the recruits can actually come out and see some of these practices. Uh, and what I will say is, when we were at the Forever Buffs uh, tailgate, and if you said hi to us, Thank you. We uh, we love saying hi. Yes, Uh, the person who
3: especially when you roast cakes. no, that's not fun.
2: Allie got didn't like that. Literally, someone brought up our favorite moment in the history of the podcast.
3: Let's not bring it up. Hey Ryan,
1: let's reenact this. Me, what was the best defensive or who's
2: the best defensive player halfway through the season? Uh, I'm just gonna give the whole defense. They've just all been so good.
3: I didn't like the, the head movements that's, that you added to it. That's
2: the Allie Monroy head sass. Oh, my God. Uh, but
1: anyways, when we were over there at the Forever Buffs tailgate, I, we saw Tyler Lytle, uh, who got an in-home visit today. With He's not backpack. Lytle
2: at all. He's actually quite big.
3: That was not funny.
2: <laughs> I can't come back from that. Uh, Just take a chance on it, Allie.
3: No.
1: I'm still not coming back from that. Anyways, uh, Tyler Lytle. Uh, these guys can come out and, and see some of the Buffs practices, which is huge. So I think almost the bowl game is bigger for the future of the program than it is for this year. And having the storybook ending, the storybook ending might as well have been the Utah game at this point.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like I wrote in my story, their story. Like I wrote in my story, their storybook ending was was lit in flames uh, in Santa Clara. So and so was our book. So yeah. Probably. Um, but again, I don't think this takes away from the rise. I, you know, it, it's you have a sour taste in your mouth right now, and that's understandable, but there will be a time when you can look back at this season on a whole and still realize how incredible it is. Um, we'll say this a million times, but if you could have taken 10-3 and, and a berth in the Alamo Bowl and a Pac-12 South championship, uh, you would not have even wanted to know what was behind door number two. So you would have taken that right then and there.
3: Well, I think it's huge for not, of course, the younger guys, but also the younger guys to be able to practice a few more times with these seniors and with these juniors and upperclassmen because it gives them, they're watching the disappointment in these seniors' eyes. And I feel like if I were on that team and I were Nick Fisher, like he said, he couldn't go into that locker room knowing that he could have cost the team a win. And so I feel like... The seniors have had so much motivation on like winning this for past teams that they've played with. I think the younger guys are going to use that for more motivation next year to be like, we were so close, we didn't get it with you guys, but just wait, we're going to win this next year for you, and in honor of you, and what and how you made this program rise.
2: What's funny is, like, let's say they lose to Stanford on the road, they just miss out on going to the Pac-12 title game, USC goes instead, and the Buffs are in the Alamo Bowl. Everyone's excited and and fired up for that bowl and wanting to go win it it's just the way they ended up there is dejecting i guess for a lot of the fans i just i still like you said i don't have a, a read on it yet i really hope this football team doesn't go into that game with a bad attitude
3: I feel like they won't, and at least for the fans. I know a lot of fans were upset with how they didn't get the Rose Bowl, but from what I've seen, a lot of people are getting ready to go to Texas, even if it is road tripping, even if it is a lot of money. um, I've seen so many people on Snapchat, on Twitter, on Facebook, talking about how they're excited to go to this Alamo Bowl because they made a bowl, and that's like a very key important thing to keep in perspective is fans are just happy at least they get to go to a bowl game and see some more Colorado football late in December
1: place you'll always be happy going to is the Clock Tower Grill. If you're traveling down there to watch the, I don't know, one of the games, it leaves it blank. Army Navy. Army Navy. Uh, for the Lincoln Light Rail Station, you need to stop by the Clock Tower Grill and get your pregame on first. From $3 Long Islands to Mondays. on Mondays to 75-cent Wings on Wednesday. $3 shots on Friday. There's no better place to start your event than the Clock Tower Grill. Remember to jump off at the Lincoln Light Rail Station before heading downtown.
2: And you should especially be glad that the Buffs are still playing football because the basketball team is terrible to watch.
1: And we're going to talk about that now. So uh, avert to your ears if you don't want to hear about how ugly this has gotten. Uh, since we last talked to you, the Buffs have played a few games. I think they played Wofford, Colorado State, and Portland if I can remember correctly. Either way, uh, the Colorado okay. State and Woff, or Portland games kind of said what we needed to hear because their uh, their next two games, we're recording this on Tuesday, it won't be released till after the Xavier game, uh, but their next two games, Xavier and BYU, will mean a lot, but we're not going to look ahead. We're just going to look back, so this stays timely. Right now, Colorado looks terrible as a basketball team. Uh, they... I can't even call them really a team at this point. They're just a bunch of parts, a bunch of talented parts, mind you. But the way they looked against Colorado State was disgusting. They let Colorado State come in on their own court or on the Buffs' home court and played their style of basketball, and they absolutely dominated in doing so. And I haven't seen a Tad Boyle team dismantled on their home court like that. In in memory. Like, that was probably the worst. Wyoming did it to him. You know what? That's true. In 2013 or 2014, 2014, because that was the ski year, right?
2: I don't know. Wyoming did it to them on a a multitude of occasions.
1: (laughs) But either way, that was one of the worst home court performances in the Tad Boyle era. And. It was against a team that those Wyoming teams were pretty talented. This Colorado State team is not that talented. They, the Buffs came in as 15-point favorites against this team, and they lost by 15.
3: Ryan, what was your tweet after the CSU game that a lot of fans got upset with?
2: Football school <laughs> loses a basketball game, and that's what it feels like to me. It does. Because no one, no one in that stadium cared about that game. It was like a, a social gathering, and I can be honest with you. I sat there in that stadium feeling like I didn't care either I mean there was no energy in there I've left four basketball games this season probably like feeling tired because I was so bored from watching it this team is terrible to watch they don't play good basketball there's a couple entertaining pieces I love watching Derek White play you know Bryce Peters does something here and there they play they play boring brand of basketball they're soft as hell this is not fun. Like, nothing about this basketball season has been fun so far. I keep going
1: back and listening to my broadcasts, And, like, last year I listened to my broadcast, and every, like, two or three minutes you get, like, three-point shot good. You know, like, you get a really good, like, call every three minutes. This year there's, like, one or two per game. And it's, like, I can't tell if it's actually good or me just, like, needing Forcing like, it call. Right. And, well, and that's what it feels like with this team.
3: Against CSU, like the, they just couldn't score. They couldn't shoot the basket, even during free throws. I think um, cool. CSU had almost 100% until the last two minutes of the game on free throws, while Colorado had, I think, 56 at the end of the game. And at the beginning of the game, they just couldn't get any in, and it was so embarrassing. Same with three-point shots. They could not make their three-point shots.
1: They had a stretch of a game and a half between Colorado State and the first half against Portland where they hit four threes in the course of 60 minutes, right? Yeah, 60 minutes. They hit four threes, and this is a three-point shooting team.
2: Awful. I mean, I I don't want to pile on this because I think this team still does have potential this season. I still believe top to bottom is the most talented roster that Todd Boyle's had in his hands. But, man, they have no leadership out there right now. None. Was the loss of Dominique Collier bigger than we we were going to give it credit for? Maybe. I mean, maybe Dom brings a little something, but I just... I look across the board, and I, I almost feel stupid for not noticing it before, but Xavier Johnson, all his, leadership, his leadership has always felt fake to me, um, like manufactured leadership, manufactured energy, that sort of thing. We knew Wesley Gordon was never going to be a leader. We knew Dominique Collier was never going to be a leader. Derek White can be a leader, but it's, it's a little different for him. He's still getting used to playing basketball at this level, and finding his, his role on this team there is absolutely no leadership, There's, and the whole team is soft.
1: Yeah, and at the end of last year, I think... What about Geor- George, King? George King? Where the George King was starting to step up into a lead- leadership role at the end of last year. He should not even be playing basketball right now the way he's been playing. Like, I was watching him warm up against the before the Colorado State game. He couldn't dribble warming up, let alone in the game. There is something really wrong mentally with him as a basketball player right now. I don't know if it, it's the yips or what's going on with him, but George King does he looks worse right now than he has at any point in his college career like way worse than he did his freshman year when he was just throwing up shots I don't know what the hell happened with George King but I mean he was a little bit better at the in Portland he had some points and a couple boards but he has been so inconsistent and even last year yeah he had some inconsistent shooting nights but he brought the effort in almost every single game set for maybe four or five and That's been the really disappointing part about George King, I think, for Tad Boyle. is He is being asked to do things this year. George King was not being asked to do much last year, and he was providing a lot. This year, George King is being asked to go and get at least six boards a game, go and get ten points. George King has fallen flat on his face a couple of times in doing that. I mean, XJ had the best quote. Uh, George King had zero rebounds against Wofford. Against Wofford, George King had zero rebounds. And someone asked... XJ about the rebounding, and XJ looks down at the stat sheet and goes, George had what? Zero rebounds. That's just stupid. And then walked out of the press conference. I mean, and it's true. It is stupid. He's
2: the most talented rebounder on the team.
1: By far. And, I mean, XJ is a whole other thing, and whether his leadership is real or fake, this team is confounding on so many levels because the pieces are there, but they won't come together. And Derek White is great because he makes everyone else around him better. But there are times where it's just like, Derek, take your ball to the rack because I know you can do it and score a bucket.
2: Yeah, he, he needs to learn to take over. But I'm giving him a pass on just figuring out where he fits in right now. Yeah. How much can I take over at this level? Where is my ceiling? I want, but I do want to say this because I think we're going to I believe in the coaching of Tad Boyle. I think we are going to come back to this podcast in March and and say, "Wow, look how low we were on them then and look what Tad Boyle did to get them right."
1: But I've been hearing from sources all season long that said this team is going to take a few punches in the mouth in non-conference season and they're going to be a team by January 1st. So, I will say That people within that team were even expecting this to happen.
3: I mean, even Tad Boyle said um, the first game of the season, he was like, or yeah, the first game of the season, or on media day, I think he said, this team thinks that they're a lot better than they really
2: are. Media day.
3: Yeah, media day. And he was like, we're not what they think they are, and we're going to get there. It's going to be a challenge, but we're going to need these first few games, games this month to kind of get there and like make sure that they know that we're not as good as we thought we were.
2: I think that's the most important thing for this team right now. They've definitely, they had to have come to that realization. This week against Xavier and BYU, to me, is so big. Um, how many times do we talk about how much you need these wins, as weird as it is, because you, you can be a totally different team in March than you are now? You need these wins if you want to go dancing. They better get it together quick, or they're going to be. Fishing for an at large bid uh, when it comes to, to tourney time.
1: That's going to wrap up the BSN Buffs podcast.
2: For Ryan Konigsberg
1: and Ali Monroy, I am Jake Shapiro. But before we get out of here, I got to tell you about Life Flower Dispensary out in Glendale, just south of Denver. It serves medical and recreational marijuana until midnight. They're a one-stop shop and have ev- something for everyone. whether they are a smoker or prefer to use topical treatments for severe pain, Life Flower carries a huge variety of edibles, infused sodas, concentrates, flowers, and they carry glass food. Check out their menu at WeedMaps.com for specific strains and price details, or just go to Lightflower Flower off of Leedsdale. Uh, thanks for listening in, guys. We'll uh, have another podcast next week, obviously. Day 4, to all of our contests on BFM Buffs. We'll have uh, some coverage out there in San Antonio. Our Samantha Weaver and Chase Howell will be out there. Still to be determined on whether Ryan and I are out there, but we're working on it. So thanks for listening in, as always, and we'll talk to you guys uh,
3: What?
1: Homance.
2: Homance.
3: You're. Shut the fuck up.
2: What? It's like a romance.
3: No, don't say homance.
2: What else would you say?
3: A friendship.
1: I'm not friends with Ryan. I'm <laughs> bros
2: with Ryan.
3: Oh my god. Uh, this is how I would be talking, I guess. So let me know. Ryan's
2: already so annoyed with us.
3: Yeah.